Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? When we find ourselves in between life's destinations, are we just kids in the back seat asking God, are we there yet? The waiting is tough, but it has purpose. Let's make the most of it. That's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thanks so much for listening in to our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope that this podcast blesses you and that you'll feel free to share it with someone that you know. You know, the waiting is the hardest part, at least according to Tom Petty, but it is tough for most of us, if not all of us, especially when it's foggy and we can't see what or how far the next thing really is. But the waiting has purpose, big purpose. God purpose. Today, Pastor Jason talks about the holding pattern we find ourselves in and how to make it through and how to make good time, even if we feel stuck. Let's check it out right now. Well, we're finishing up this sermon series today called Making Good Time, Saying Yes to What Matters Most. And I want to invite you next week, uh, we start another series called, it's about the book of James, it's on the book of James called A Screen Door on a Submarine. So I hope you'll join us uh, for that. If you missed any in this series, they're all on our podcast. You can find them uh, through our website. Or if you like to download podcasts, just simply go to the Tower Hill Church podcast and you get all the messages in this series. Um, But we've been really just talking about in this crazy, it feels like in this time of year, especially for, for young parents or young families who are grade school age kids, I mean, they're just reacting to their life. They're not living their life. (laughs) They're just reacting to all the schedules and all the school stuff and all the other things. And you may be feeling that too. Chances are you are, even if you're retired. I've met many retired people who are just like, you know what, I'm way busier now than I ever was before I retired. Like, how did I fit everything in? Right? Yeah, I see some heads, heads nodding in that direction. And the thing is, how do we know... How do we know that what it is we're doing or the life that we're living is something that's in the direction of what God wants? It's really hard to do that when all you're doing is reacting to your life. Anything good in life is going to happen by intentionality and design, including our relationship with God, including knowing where God wants us to go next or what he wants us to do. Just like any relationship, it requires time. You're not going to go closer together unless you're spending time together. This is true in hearing God's voice. Because a lot of people I hear all the time, they're just like, how do I know? How do I hear God's voice? I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to do. And then one of the first things I try to get them to identify is, well, do you have a regular time where you're connecting with God? Well, no. Well, why not? Well, I don't really know how. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's figure that out. Or, yeah, you know, I don't know. I haven't really been able to fit that into my life. And it's like, well, it's going to be really hard to listen to God. So today, as we close this series, it's really about what happens when you're doing all the right things, when you're listening, you're taking time to listen to God, you feel like your relationship's closed, and yet you still feel like you're waiting. You're waiting for God to show up and tell you what to do. Things are just unclear. We call that the holding pattern. And nobody likes the holding pattern. You ever been on an actual holding pattern? 
Yeah, it's the worst. It's the worst. Why? Because it's delaying you. It's delaying you from where you want to go. You got things to do. You don't want to spend more time in that thing just circling for no apparent reason. Because it feels so meaningless. It feels like I'm accomplishing nothing. We're accomplishing nothing. We're just flying in circles. When really I just want to get down there. I feel like there's a spiritual version of this in our lives that happens all the time. Where we're waiting, we're waiting, and we're not sure what to do. And we get so anxious. Because that's the problem with waiting, right? I'm an impatient person. I'm going to tell you that right now. Be careful, though, when you start praying for patience. (laughs) The Lord will put you in all sorts of situations that you get more patient in. But patience is hard, especially, you know, I I think um, years ago, you know, when when the Internet really was first a thing, and you you had dial-up. Remember the dial-up Internet? You know. If you're under 25, you have no idea. You have no idea. So, and then, and someone couldn't be on the other, on the phone, right? So then somebody picked up, stop it, I'm trying to get online. Anyway, uh, it was a very slow process to connect. But now, it's like, if it's not lightning fast, I'm ready to lose my mind. I've become so impatient. When years ago, I would have been like, oh, yes, awesome, we have internet. This is true for most of us. We don't like waiting around, especially in this part of the country, right? We are boom, boom, boom. Have you ever gone to like the Midwest for a week? And you're just like, what? How do people live here? There's nothing going on. They're not running around. I couldn't do it. (laughs) But we get so impatient with God. When we're in that holding pattern, we don't know what to do. We start losing it. Because waiting produces anxiety. Like when you're driving to try to get to Newark Airport. Well, that's a fun drive. And your plane's leaving in an hour. And you're bumper to bumper. You start getting anxious. Waiting produces anxiety. Here's a problem with anxiety, not just the problem in itself that we become anxious, twisted up, knotted up people, but anxiety sometimes make you, forces you or compels you to make a bad decision because you don't want to wait anymore. So instead of waiting for God's answer in your life, which incidentally he may be waiting for you, but While waiting for God's next thing in your life, you may be tempted because you're so anxious to just land the plane anywhere, right? Like You're just like, I'm just going to make this decision because I can't stand the waiting anymore, and you sometimes end up in a bad decision. We want to try to avoid that. And I get why we're impatient. We want to get to where we're going next as fast as possible. This is true with our life, our dreams, our goals, and our sense of purpose. So, how do we make good time when we're in a holding pattern in our lives? I think there are three kind of different possible stages of the holding pattern and three kind of dangers that can happen. I want to identify those for you this morning. The first is, 
Uh, so let's take three different scenarios. The first scenario is your plane is in a holding pattern above the clouds. So what happens when you're flying above the clouds? Very beautiful, but you can't see anything below. That's when there's very little clarity on the answer that God has for you. Very little clarity. So you're in that holding pattern and you don't know what. Like, so for example, maybe you just lost or quit your job and you don't know what's next. There's very little clarity around it. And then the problem when you're in that kind of a holding pattern is that you feel like, you might feel like, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to land. I can't even see the land. It's never going to happen for me. And you're tempted to give up or to give in or to make a bad decision. Or, scenario two, sometimes it's partly cloudy, right? You get a little bit of clarity. You see, well, okay, I could kind of get an idea of the direction that maybe God is bringing me in. But again, the temptation will be, oh, wait, that looks like a good spot. Or maybe there. Or maybe there. Or maybe there. And you're tempted to just land the plane anywhere that you can see because you're so anxious. You're just like, I, I just need to pick one of those things. And then the third possibility is that things are very clear. It's a perfectly clear day and you see New York City. Like you can see your destination clearly of where God wants to take you next. Here's the problem that can happen when we know our next destination but we're not there yet is we're tempted to just tune out. Wake me when we get there. I know this job is next for me in my life. I know this step is next for me in my life. But I'm not there yet, so I'm just going to ignore everything else. Just tune out until I get to that destination. And the problem is, is again, you end up tuning out to perhaps something really important that God needs to show you, give you, equip you with, or a place where he needs to take you. So... How do we make good time in the holding pattern? Jesus left his disciples almost literally in a holding pattern. When he ascended into heaven and before the Holy Spirit came, he's like, just hang here and I'm going to show you what to do next. So let's see how their story maybe can impact our story. This is Acts chapters one, uh, chapter 1. Starting in verses 1 through 9. Uh, this is Luke, by the way, who wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Okay, so he gave some instructions. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? 
He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So his directions to the disciples were very specifically nonspecific in a way, right? It, it, was, it required some faith. It, and that's how God speaks to us a lot of the time, very specifically nonspecific. He gives us a direction. He gives us a promise. But we don't know exactly how that's going to unfold. And that's where faith comes in. He asked them the same thing. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And you're going to be my witnesses. Do not leave Jerusalem. That's all they know. They don't know how. They don't know that it's going to be like tongues of fire over their heads and this crazy thing happen and they speak in all these languages. They didn't know any of that. I feel like it's uh, like the film Field of Dreams. Here's a promise. If you build it, he will come. Go the distance. Ease his pain. And I remember one point in the film, his wife says to him, you have a very nonspecific voice that you're listening to. In a lot of ways, I feel like this is how God calls up. Why, why the nonspecific voice? Because then it takes faith on our part to hear it. It's always a partnership and a dance between us and God. God's giving us direction, but he wants us to have faith in order to accomplish it, because that is what accomplishes it. Let's keep going. Verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. Okay, listen. What did they do first? They did exactly what he said. Don't leave Jerusalem. Okay, we won't. They returned. Not a very big, like, spiritual moment. They just simply did what Jesus, they heard Jesus say. Okay, we will. A Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. What room? The upper room. They went back to what they knew. Say, well, God spoke to us here taught us here, let's go back to there. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What were they doing? They listened to what God said. They went back to the place where they could all be together, and they started praying. That's how they were going to realize the vision that God had given them. They were going to listen to his voice, they were going to do what he said, and they were going to try to continually connect with him so that they make sure they didn't miss it. It's a very simple formula, but not simplistic. It's a consistent listening to the voice and doing what it says. 
In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. Verse 21, Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Now, Jesus didn't tell him, well, since you're down a disciple, you need another one. He didn't say any of that. That wasn't part of his instructions. See, here's the thing. God gives us leeway to have free will, to make all sorts of decisions all the time. What they did was they prayerfully considered what should we do during the waiting time, during the holding pattern? What should we do? We should be faithful. We should make decisions that lean into what we know. Hey, we're about to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria. So let's make sure we're ready. So they're making decisions to get themselves ready. They felt like they needed another one, another disciple, apostle to replace Judas. So that's what they did. So they anointed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. So I think this is what this comes down to. When you're in a holding pattern, it's simply saying, I'm waiting on what God has for me next, and in the meantime, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust, and I'm going to make decisions that lean into what I know. God's preparing me for this. I want to make sure that the decisions I make are preparing me for that. What did the disciples do? They prayed together. They patiently listened for God's voice as they made decisions. And they made decisions based on what they knew. They knew that they needed to get ready to be God's witnesses in Jerusalem. And what they do, they prepared like it was going to happen. How many of us hear things that we think might be from God, and then we don't do anything, because we're not sure if, dang, am I making this up? Is this a daydream that I had? Did I eat some bad fish? Like, why? You know, is this God? And we don't act and we don't make decisions based on acting like it's actually going to happen. Faith is preparing on the promises of God like they're actually going to happen. Waiting is not about, the holding pattern is not about tuning out. It's about tuning in. Sometimes it's in the waiting pattern that God does the biggest work on your heart to prepare you for what he has next. I said this a few weeks ago. Sometimes we're in the wilderness because God's waiting on us. He needs us to be ready to receive what he has next. Because if we get there too soon, we might not make the most of it. Or we might miss it. Sometimes the holding pattern is right where God wants you. And to trust that. 
tuning in is the blessing, no matter what is next. So how do we do that? Did anybody take me up on the coffee cup challenge a couple weeks ago? I want to encourage you. Set aside some time for God that works for you. We set aside time for all sorts of things. Set aside 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Don't tell me you don't have 10 minutes. We all have 10 minutes. And be intentional about listening to God. Maybe for you that's reading Jesus Calling. That's a wonderful resource. Anybody who's looking for a devotional, a daily devotional, Jesus Calling, it's something you can get. It doesn't have to be on an iPhone or iPad or the interweb. It's just a book. Jesus Calling, you could get it at Barnes & Noble. I saw it there yesterday. You could order it and it could show up right to your house. If you don't know where to get started, that's a, a great way. If you do have your phone with you, you have a smartphone, there are all sorts of options. Again, the YouVersion Bible app. It's a free app that has thousands of devotionals on it that show up automatically every day. They have scripture reading plans. They had everything. All free. It's fantastic. Or maybe for you, it's, you know, I want to get up early in the morning and I want, I want to get myself going. Maybe there's a way you can integrate that into your routine. If, even if you're just walking around the house. I know a friend who, uh, every time she gets up in the morning, early in the morning, she goes to turn a light on. It's her reminder to pray for someone. Something about the light and the darkness reminds her to pray. So she stops. She said, I pray for this person. Pray, God, that you're with them. Show me how to speak to them. Amen. There are ways that you can connect with God in your everyday routine, and that's the secret to listening to God's voice. That is the secret. It's got to be part of what you're already doing. And find a way to be intentional about that time that you carve out for him. And then in the waiting... Yes, it's frustrating. You want to get to where you're going next. But then in the waiting, you can be confident that God's going to tell you exactly where to land the plane and when to land it. And what are his promises for you? His promises is that your life, you're going to experience joy and meaning and fulfillment and purpose and be part of God's big plan of the kingdom in your work, in your family, in all your relationships, your whole life, that your life here has eternal meaning. Acts 2.1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all in one place. In other words, they were right where they were supposed to be when the Holy Spirit came. It's not just about passing the time. It's about making good time. Let's do that together. Amen.